The title of today's message is Believing God Exists is Not Enough. Believing God Exists is Not Enough. In the passages of, uh, in the sermons that we've talked about, we have been talking about grace and some of the past services and the opportunity to adhere and to consume that grace, as we used in the illustration of consuming food, is through faith. It's through faith, but we want to, as we go into this next passage here, we want to understand that believing God is not enough. Believing God is not enough. Jesus died so that we can be saved, but believing God is not enough. It's, it's not his will, it's not his desire that anyone should perish, but all should come to repentance. And we're going to cover scriptures in these highlights to talk about these in just a moment. But we have to remember it's not just believing that he exists because the demons believe that he exists and they still perish. We have to actually believe in him. It's available to us if we entrust ourselves to him. Not merely that he exists. So let's lay the scriptural foundation and expand on it a little bit. Our first reading, and I'm going to probably read these first, instead of flipping through my Bible to them, I might actually read them off the screen with you as we have them listed out. Uh, the first one's James chapter 2, verse 19. They'll be up on the screen, and that's where I'm going to be reading these first passages of Scripture from. James 2.19, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. He, he's not desiring that some go to heaven and some go to hell. He is desiring that all come to repentance. That's the design. That's what he wants. He wants you. It's whosoever will. He's long-suffering towards us. He's taking time. He's allowing us opportunity. But it's not his will that any should perish. He wants all. All to come in. All to receive Christ. And we've moved to 2 Peter 3.9. 2 Peter 3.9. That was 2 Peter 3.9. That's, that that's why that threw me a little bit. Let's go back to James 2.19. James 2.19. There we go. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. See, I told you about it just a few minutes ago, but I want to make sure you knew it was in the scripture. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Believing God exists is not enough. Now let's try the next verse, and we'll link them together. James, and now 2 Peter. While, 3.19, should be in the agenda. 3.19, same one that should be already there. So anyway, there it is. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So just linking it together, it's not enough to believe, and he wants everyone. He wants everyone. Now let's go to John 3.16, and we'll be reading that, that passage of Scripture. 
while we're turning here, remember when we talked about grace. That is in his extension of grace that we could find forgiveness of sin. That he extended his grace towards us that even though we could be saved. But it was through faith. It's through faith. But he wants us all to come. And if we remember that passage of scripture. And forgive me back at the AV desk. Move it back to 2 Peter 3.9. There's a word at the end of that that I forgot to highlight. There's a word at the end that starts with the letter R, and it has to do with repentance. That all should come to repentance. What does repentance mean? Repentance means to about face. If you've been, if you've been in the military or if you've been in a marching band, there is, got to turn around and go the other way. That all should come to repentance. We need to believe in Christ. But it says here that we come to repentance. There has to be a change. We have to stop going away from God and going towards God. We just can't say, hey God, I, uh, I, I believe in you. Uh, forgive my sins and now let me go back to doing the bad things that I was doing. It's not like a coupon to get past the gate. It involves repentance. It involves a change. There's got to be something different. It's not just enough to believe God exists. There has to be a change. There's got to be a change in direction. And then if we move to John 3.16, and I appreciate the AV being flexible with me. So now let's go to John 3.16. And we remember that passage of scripture. Some of you might. Some of you it might be completely new to you. But it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in, believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we, we've talked about he wants everyone. It's not enough just to believe he exists. But he wants everyone to come and have availability and, and accept repentance. And we talked about last week about the grace that extends to everyone. But then it tells that we must what? We must believe in. Believe in. You might believe someone exists, but do you believe in them to watch your kids? Do you believe in them to keep your family safe? Now, I'm not equating your babysitter to Jesus because you believe in them, but you get the understanding. It's not that someone exists, but you entrust something to them. You entrust something valuable to them. In our case with Jesus, we're to entrust our life to him. But if you don't believe, have some belief in that babysitter, you're not going to entrust your children to them, your grandchildren to them. There's a difference. There's a difference. So let's read this whole passage, verses 16 through 21, in its totality of John chapter 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son 
into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. See, if we truly believe, as we start in that, this first passage, part of the passage, if we truly believe in God, it should make a difference in how we leave. If we truly believe in Jesus, it means believing in all that he's talked about, and it should make a difference in how we behave. We access, as we said last week, that for by grace are you saved through faith. We access the grace of God through faith that we can be saved. But we have to believe in. We have to believe in. Now, I'm going to speak on, I'm going to give you a couple examples and they're on two sides of the spectrum, all right? I could say on the political spectrum. So some might believe in school choice. Because these are things people seem to be very passionate about. Some people might believe in school choice. They don't just believe it exists, but that it is something that is valuable. Some people believe in abortion. Not only that it exists, but that it is valuable, that it is available. Some people believe in climate change. Some people believe in DEI. Some people believe in gender fluidity. To the point that it changes how they view the world. It's their religion. Do we believe in Jesus Christ to the point that it changes how we view the world? How we interact with other people? That it changes how we even look at these topics that have become a religion to so many? And it's not only that we believe in him and how we look at those other religions... But it's how we interact with those people. He wants to be involved in how we interact with people that believe those different things. And yes, I do think that these have become religions for so many people because their entire lives revolve around them. They have a doctrine. They have a teaching. And even if you think these things are important, they should not... take the place of Christ. It, really, it should be that if Christ is first, then it tells you which of these things that you should feel that are important, but at no point, at no point, can they save the world. 
At no point can the way, save the world the way that Jesus can save our hearts. At no point, because we know that the world will be consumed by fire. When Jesus comes, it's going to be consumed, the ultimate global warming. But it's only through our belief in Jesus that we can be saved. And often I say Jesus, but it's Jesus Christ. At the time that Jesus was a common name, and there are also some people also called Jesus or Jesus or different names today, but it's Jesus, the man, Jesus Christ, the anointed one. It's the man, also God, together, died on the cross for us. And if we believe in him, it changes how we view the world. Believing in Jesus is not enough. Verse 18 says, He who believes in him, in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You cannot set in, in neutral. You can't say, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm trying to decide if I want to believe in God or not believe in God. I'm not saying believe God exists. I'm trying to decide if I want to believe in Jesus or not believe in Jesus. Because if I believe in Jesus, I believe in all of it, which includes his death and resurrection. But if you're trying to decide you're not neutral, you're in a failed state. It's, It's like a light switch. You don't put the light switch in neutral and say, I'm going to turn it off. I'm going to turn it on. You're in the off. It's off. You start out with it off. You have to decide for. If you don't believe, you're condemned already. You have to believe in. There's no middle. You can't just believe he exists. In verse 19 through 20, the light exposes our need of God. It comes into the world and we see that what we're doing is wrong. When scripture says these things are wrong, it sheds light on us when we were told that we need the sins forgiven. It sheds light on our path. And some people don't want it. They want to stay in the darkness. Some people go to churches where the truth might not be told to them. They're told a soft pedal thing and they satisfy their conscience by going to a church. And in the church they go, the light's not shining. The music's good. There's no conviction. The light's not shining. May I say to you, even those that are saints of God, those those that have Jesus in their life, That you should be going to a church that every once in a while, the Holy Spirit reaches in and says, I need you to improve in this area. The holiness of God shining on your heart. We can can continue to learn how to walk deeper in Jesus. But if I go to a church where the light's not being shined on my heart, it's a great concert environment. 
Everybody pats me on the back and says how good a job I'm doing. And just to hang in there. Because Jesus cares about you and it's all good. But if repentance isn't taught and preached, it won't get you to heaven by just doing the good things. It's not a works, lest any man should boast. We must believe in Jesus, which is it all. Not just part of it, it's all of it. It requires repentance. It requires the faith in God. But I should feel challenged. Someone that's unsaved should walk into the church and feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The conviction of the Holy Spirit is that thing inside of your chest that says, I need something, and something's not right. See, revival is not just when somebody comes in and they sense the Spirit of God or sense the Spirit of happiness amongst all the people. The happiness that you get at a concert. It's when you sense the Spirit of God moving and it does something to your heart. Then revival happens. But we have to believe in Jesus. But we have to allow and be going to a church where the light is shining. The scripture is being taught, and that's what we endeavor to do. And if the Holy Spirit is pricking your heart to go deeper, go deeper. I am very I do get very frustrated when I read a passage like this to understand why churches have church and worship with the lights off. It makes no sense to me. We talk about symbolism. And things in the church. And we look through memorials. And we have sacraments to make, make us aware of the beauty of God's scripture. And, and of, our, of our salvation. And, and yet when you read the scriptures that said. And this is the condemnation. The light has come to the world. And the men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light. And does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen. That they have been done in God. Why would we want to come to church in the dark? You can go to a bar and they turn the lights out. So everybody can't see that everybody's drinking. And they can do whatever they want to do and nobody sees what's going on. You go to a church that's got the lights off. You'll look around and you'll see people playing with their phone and watching with their phone. And doing what they want. See, I know if you're playing with your phone and doing other kinds of things, and you know that I might see it, so you feel a little bit of conviction, and you're more apt to pay attention. And when the Holy Spirit's moving and I glance your way, you're going to think, oh, he's talking to me, but it won't be me. It's the Holy Spirit. I'm just the messenger, but as I lock eyes with you or glance at you, you're going to think, let's see if I'm in the dark. Oh, he can't see me. He can't see what I'm, what's going on. And if you're a teenager, he can't see... What I'm doing as I sit next to whoever, and you can figure the rest out. Why would we want to worship with the lights off? Makes it more like a concert. Makes it more, but we want to come into the light. And it's symbolic that we want the light of the scriptures to come upon us. Not some fancy words that I say or not something... From some book or, hey, read the latest book and this will help you get closer to Jesus. Here's the book you should be reading that helps you get closer to Jesus. It's this one right here. And if you don't have time to read anything else, read this one. 
And this one will help explain itself. And the parts you don't understand, the Holy Spirit will help you to understand. The parts that you need to understand. We need to believe in Jesus the Christ. That he came and shed his blood for us on the cross. That he was buried. That he died and he was buried. And that he rose again. And that it is coming. He's coming to judge the world. But that we'll be drawn up together as those that believe in him. And continue in our belief in him. But we have to believe in all of it. Do you believe? Do you believe? Some of you might be saying, yes, I believe I'm a Christian. But do you believe in everything that he taught? Because he taught us and made available us a deeper, a deeper walk. See, we're born in sin. We're born with a carnal nature. And scripture talks about, and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He made the opportunity to deal with the sin nature. No theological or doctrinal term, that's the carnal nature. And we read about it in Corinthians. But he wants you to go deeper, deeper, deeper in the love of Jesus, the old hymn says. Deeper let me go. More about Jesus let me... You want more about Jesus? It's available to you. If you believe in Jesus, he should be first in your life. He should... It should color how you look. It should... Affect your worldview in a deep pattern. It should affect how you interact with other people. If you believe in Jesus, it should be all of what he said. And he will help you to grow deeper. And that you need to come to this place of surrender and say, He is not only my Savior, but he is my Lord. How can he be your Lord? He's not Lord of all. How is he Lord at all? Let's be standing together. Father God, there, as I preached this message, it went to people of various places in their walk of faith. Some might hear this message outside of this congregation and be in need of, in need of you. May they believe in you and ask forgiveness of your sins. But Father, there might be some in this congregation before me that need Jesus. But Father, there might be some that just need that deeper walk and they know that you're calling them to deeper walk. They're, you're calling them to surrender all of their life, not just the little corner, not just the interest way. That... They want you to give it all. Their entire heart house, all the little rooms, the ones that they've got hidden, hidden, and Father, they're asking that you come and cleanse them from the unrighteousness. That you'd create in them a clean heart. And Father, they give you permission to remodel their heart house. To dare tear down some walls that need to go away and 
build some structures that enable them to fellowship better with the believers. And to outreach, enable them to outreach to the unbelievers. And do the work that you are calling them to do. We pray to Father that each one in the sound of my voice might be obedient to your call. Might be obedient to what you're asking them to do. For some, maybe that they might be reassured in their walk. But Father, that each one might feel the blessing of the Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.